episode 426 of Global From Asia. I'm here in Taiwan and we're talking about Japan bridges. Let us tune in now. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you for choosing to listen to or maybe watch. You can check out where I'm at in the background if you're watching. Global From Asia episode 426, talking about Japan bridges. I'm doing this intro while I'm in Taipei, Taiwan. I kind of enjoy when I just take the camera and walk out. I'm gonna go grab some dinner. I'll talk to you after after the show. I'll just have a little chit chat while I eat. If you wanna hear some insights about about different things, Japan we'll talk about and other other opportunities I've been studying. So we'll do that after the interview with Gary Huang is back. He's got the Japan Mastermind Summit happening in Okinawa this year in April and we're also giving amazing value. I mean man, this was a jam-packed informational podcast. Would recommend screen share, but we do it for, for both video and audio where we talk about these different free trade agreements, different strategies for Japan, for international business, for logistics. I think there's pirates, some kind of pirates attacks happening and shipping rates increases and never a dull man moment in international business or cross-border trade. Let's get into the show with Gary and I'm gonna find a little restaurant. I'm literally just walking around looking for somewhere to eat by myself and I'll take the camera with me if you wanna listen to my blah 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 after the interview. But let's go into the show. Gary Huang talking about the bridges to Japan. Are you looking for USA banking solutions for your e-commerce business? I am proud to say Mercury.com is supporting the podcast here third year in a row at Global From Asia and we're proud to say because we use them ourselves for many of our own Amazon brands and e-commerce brands and joint ventures with our US structures and they're super easy to do online application no fees and they have great customer support have helped us with trouble with Amazon Seller Central over the years about some receipts and statements and everything like that so we're so happy to say thank you Mercury for supporting our show being a great service and supporting other e-commerce sellers. We're really proud to say they're a sponsor here and we also have a video tutorial as well as an overview and a special link with a little bonus for you as well for us under certain conditions. Check it out at globalformasia.com mercury for that information. Thank you for listening and thank you mercury. I guess I'll start it off. So thank you everybody for tuning into our Global From Asia podcast. We have our friend and really, we've been through a lot over the years and always are, are help going through business together, Gary Huang. And he's talking about the six bridges to sell into Amazon Japan. Yeah, I had the pleasure to join in Tokyo last April, and I'm excited for what's coming this time. We'll talk about that towards the end. But there's lots of news happening. There's lots of updates. We were doing some research. He was researching this just as we led up to this show. So thanks for being here, Gary. It's great to have you back. Thanks. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's always a pleasure to come on. And yeah, we, we I think we're a lot of a lot of overlap in the e-com world and also having a, a young family and exactly. um, being a father as well. So I really always enjoy speaking with you, Mike. So happy to, to add some value today. Yeah, I'm sure I'm excited for this too. Yeah. So should we get into it? Yeah, I think we got a lot to go into. So I'm I'm yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure as e-com and Amazon sellers, there's been a lot on the news recently. And one of the, the big news issues that some sellers are not aware of yet is actually in the Suez Canal. So I don't know if you've seen on the news, but I mean, literally the Suez Canal, there's been like rockets and missiles being fired at container ships. There's literally pirates there. They're like aiming their missiles at container ships. I'm not going to get behind the politics of why that stuff is yeah, going on. I mean, that's above my pay grade. But <laughs> as an e-com seller and as an Amazon seller, why should you care? The reason is container shipping prices are doubling and tripling just oh. in the past month, ever since December 2023. Oh, no. I, I have this graphic. I know most of you guys aren't watching, but I can kind of visually describe Previously, like in the beginning of December, before like these pirates were started shooting these missiles, they were hovering about one like fifteen hundred 
a container. We're talking from Shanghai, Long Beach, right? But afterwards, yeah. we're seeing 2,500, 2,700. And I looked recently, like some are over 3,000, right? So obviously, if you're going to pay like double, triple the container shipping prices, that's going to hit you on your bottom line for your business. So looking at the calendar right now, I mean, I feel like now's the right time to optimize your supply chain because, mm. um, you know, what, what I mean, basically, what are they doing, right? I mean, like, because the missiles are flying in Suez Canal, like, they're diverting these ships. These ships are typically traveling between Asia, Middle East, and Asia, Europe, right? So the Suez Canal, as you can see from this image, is kind of like a shortcut, like, from Europe through past Yemen, Israel, to, to Europe, right? I mean, from Asia to Europe. But now they have to go the long way. They have to go all the way down south, past the tip of Africa, around the Cape of Good Hope, and then back wow. up north to God. Europe. So literally, they're adding like, I don't know, like 5,000 or 6,000 nautical miles to that journey. They're extending it by several more weeks. So that's more time, that's more fuel, that's more money, more cost, right? So this is extending the time it takes to ship. And I know some sellers are not selling in Europe. This is still affecting sellers shipping into the U.S. because it's a ripple effect all over the world with all of the, sh the ocean freight. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I did some research, the... Kratos index, I mean, it's showing about like mid 2000s per container right now. So that's why it's really important that sellers pay attention to this right now. And the other big factor is Chinese New Year. So Chinese New Year, mm -hmm. obviously, this is expected. This happens every year at the end of January, February, the yeah. Chinese have their longest holiday of the year, right? So factories, if you're sourcing from a Chinese factory, if you're using a sourcing agent or an inspection agency or logistics, everybody's going to be out for at least two weeks up to a month, right? Yeah. So yeah. during this time, it makes sense for smart sellers to kind of look at their supply chain, look at their sourcing, see if there's ways that you can optimize that, you can shave some costs, because obviously the economy is kind of flat right now. There's more competition, costs are going up. So I wanted to walk you guys through yeah, a couple of ways that we're seeing smart sellers do. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm learning myself. I, I wasn't aware. I actually just sent a WeChat to my logistics <laughs> company group asking about this. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Uh, they did send them a screenshot the of little, this. Yeah, they yeah. did. I, I, I did. I did. And I did. I said, well, they did bump it up a little bit January 1, but they didn't. it wasn't honestly that like big of a deal for the container. Not yet. I, I hope they can, they can lock it in. Maybe they negotiated something, but mm. across the board, like supply chain professionals, I'm in a lot of like private chat groups. Everybody's talking about this in the uh, supply yeah. chain world right now. This uh -huh. is kind of like, like a black swan type thing right now. So basically I'm I wanted to raise one solution for e-com sellers because if you look at the map, right? If you look at China shipping to the US, it's very far, right? It takes like 30 days to 45 days mm. for a, a shipment to arrive from let's say Shanghai to Long Beach and we're talking about not just the time on the boat but going through the the port, getting the booking, like deboarding etc, right? 30 45 days. But if you consider selling closer to the source, like let's say Japan, for example, Japan is actually China's neighbor. And then if you look at the map, I mean, literally, it only takes seven to 10 days like for the goods to arrive from China into yes. Japan. So if you look at like just like the time savings, right? We're talking about 45 days down to 10 days, right? I mean, in terms of selling, that means that you can really cut the, the, the time and you can cut the expense. And I remember last year, I was speaking to an eight-figure seller, Brandon Young, about this, showing him this information. Mm -hmm. And it, it was like, he's doing like tens of millions of dollars in the US and like a light bulb just went off in his head. He was like, you know, this is a no-brainer. You can turn your inventory a lot faster. You don't have to place like three months of inventory and hold that cash, right? You can place smaller orders because you can, you can feed the Amazon fulfillment centers in Japan a lot faster than you can feed the ones in the US. So it just has like a compound effect on your business. It can free up your cash flow. It can reduce your, your shipping costs, expenses. And we'll, we'll also talk about like free trade agreements that Japan has with other countries. So I, I feel that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on this, on, on Japan and Japan is so close to China. And literally, I mean, you could save like so much time, so much money considering opening up this marketplace. <laughs> but at the same time, 
I'm, yeah, okay. yeah. I was just joking. Yeah, go ahead. Hopefully no pirates come between there, those two places. <laughs> it's a bad joke, maybe. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of other political risks as well. Yeah, there I mean, is. Um, China yeah. and Japan. I but, forgot about yeah, that I island. Mean, there was an island, right? If, I don't want maybe we should put that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the islands and yeah, but that's like a whole other story. I mean, not on wood. Hopefully, this thing will keep peace. Uh, you know, um, lighter, smarter heads will prevail. So, I I wanted to also just quickly highlight because a lot of people should we talk a little bit about why sellers should consider Japan? Of course, yeah, I think it's always a good reminder if those that aren't familiar, but for those the first time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't considered Japan, just some quick facts. Japan's the fourth biggest Amazon marketplace in the world, and Japan has the third largest GDP in the world. They have 126 million people, which is double the population of UK. And I think one cool thing for Amazon sellers is Amazon Japan is the number one e-commerce site in Japan, and like literally, like here I'm sitting in Tokyo, Amazon has same day delivery, Prime, next day Prime. Just like in the U.S. and other countries, and it's it's a lot. It's a huge market that most people are not considering. And then on the other, on the selling side, you're wondering like, is Japan super saturated like the U.S.? Actually, Japan ranks number eight in terms of the competition level, in terms of the number of sellers. So the market size is number four biggest Amazon market in the world, but the competition is only number eight. So, I mean, that's pretty simple math, right? I mean, that's like a blue ocean opportunity, right? You have a big market. You don't have as much competition. The competition is a lot less sophisticated as well. So, like, people say the riches are in the niches, right? Yeah. I think Japan is the niche, right? It's only ranked number eight. There's more people selling in Spain, France, Canada, these smaller countries than, than in Japan. So, I think it makes a lot of sense. To, to consider this. And I, I polled our audience not too long ago, 230 sellers responded. I asked them, which marketplaces, which Amazon marketplaces are you guys selling in? So out of the 230, 173 or 75% are selling in US, UK is 30%, Germany is 15%. Japan is only 5%. There were only 13 people out of 230. So I think literally nobody is selling in Japan. So that's why I wanted to bring this opportunity for you guys. And one other thing, I know a lot of people are feeling the pain, higher rising PPC costs. Like overall in Japan, PPC costs are lower than in the U.S. I mean, PPC costs are growing, but they're still lower in the U.S. I mean, we're seeing CPCs as low as 29 cents per click. So we feel like it's kind of ridiculous that... So many people are just like sleeping on Japan. They're not even considering it. So I wanted to, to share some insight for you guys and given the, the whole shipping fiasco. And we'll also talk about some trade war. I mean, trade agreements as well. Yeah, the bridges. Yeah, yeah, the bridges. Okay. So I know a lot of people for Japan, if you've thought about it, there's like a lot of challenges, right? People are worried about the language barrier. But there's ways that you can overcome that. In fact, we found out there's ways you can do keyword research in Japan, even if you don't speak any Japanese. And one of the bridges is is that exactly. We're talking about localization. I'll share more ways that you guys can learn how to do that. There's also people that are worried about steps to set up my seller central. One of the, the big things, I, I sell in Amazon Japan. I know a little bit of Japanese. I am by no means fluent. My, my son, he's in pre-kindergarten. He's five. I think his Japanese level is going to very quickly surpass mine, but I can still sell in Amazon Japan. Why? Because one big reason is Seller Central, Amazon Japan is all in English. So if you're already familiar with the US Seller Central, it's the same thing in Japan. Okay. So that, that's one big thing in our favor. And also FBA works the same way. So you can send all of your, your products to the, the Japan fulfillment centers and they'll fulfill them for you. And then PPC, all of the same ad campaigns, most of them are all here in Japan. I mean, some of the newer ones may not exist yet, but I mean, the, the strategies are there. And another big hurdle is a lot of people have questions about importing regulations, and we'll cover that as one of the bridges to cross as well. So yeah, that, that's why I wanted to share with you guys today. Like, these are some of the biggest challenges that will help you guys cross. And for those of you like 
meeting me the first time. I'm quick. Should I give a quick intro about yeah, of myself? Of course, man. I like the picture. I've seen this. I, I like this profile photo. It's one of my favorites for you. Yeah. So yeah, this this photo was taken back when I lived in Shanghai. I'm okay. I'm originally from the U.S. I was born and raised in L.A. I went to USC. I like to say my background is the intersection of supply chain and e-commerce. Yeah. So the the first product I sold online was back in 2005. It was on eBay. My first yeah. private label brand were women's shoes that I bought from a Chinese importer in That's Los Angeles. That's how I got started. That's and cool in a two, yeah. And in 2008, I, I I majored in Chinese. My family is originally from mainland China, even though you know, I only spoke Chinese at home. I was kind of fascinated with Shanghai. Back then, it was like the boom days. It was like New York City, super cosmopolitan. I really wanted to make a shift. So I moved out to Shanghai in 2008, and I found a job in sourcing and supply chain. So that was the second chapter with sourcing. And then over time, I um, visited hundreds of Chinese factories. I represented my, my foreign clients, helped them source many, many different products from solar water heaters to exercise bikes to auto parts. I mean, umbrellas, you name it. So really learned like the tricks of the trade, the dirty tricks and everything. And so my goal right now is to help sellers um, succeed and physically being in Japan. I see the opportunity that most people aren't aware of. So I really want to kind of bring light to this opportunity to you guys. All right. So let's get into the six bridges to Amazon Japan. Hey, Mike, ready. jump in anytime. Yeah, sure. anytime. Any questions, let me know. Just just jump, cut me off anytime you see okay. there's something that that, you, that resonates. Okay. The first bridge, I think this is key. To get started in Japan, you have to look at product market fit. Okay. So I'm assuming if you're listening, if you're interested, you're an Amazon seller already selling, let, let's say in Amazon.com US or Amazon UK or Germany. And you see there's an opportunity in Japan, but you're not sure. The million dollar question is, is my product going to sell in Japan? Okay, so I can share a couple of tools and a couple of ways that we can kind of de-risk that decision before you pull the trigger. Okay, so the first tool I recommend is Amazon's product opportunity explorer. So I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with this. Mike, I think you're familiar yeah. with this as well. This is, yeah, this is Amazon's internal like keyword research tool. So the beauty of this tool is that first, it can give you a size of your market based on your keywords in Japanese. Okay. And number two is this is 100% from the source. Okay. So the data is directly from Amazon. It's 100% accurate. There's other tools out there that there's some degree of accuracy and, and error, but this is direct from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So that's why Product Opportunity Explorer is one of the keys to gauge the size of the market. Okay. I know you're probably thinking, what if I don't speak Japanese? I mean, there's, there's ways that you can understand the language using tools like AI, using apps like Google Sheets. And we talked about that in another webinar. And yeah. maybe we can link that up below. We have like yeah. like a one hour training that we did together with Helium 10 and with Ritu Java. Sure. With, she's a Japan localization expert, if you have any questions on that. But basically, ChatGPT translation skills are like, if you, if you compare with Google Translate, Google Translate is maybe 50, 60%. ChatGPT can get it up to like maybe 90, 95%. Like Amazing. I've done like, tests, like customer service emails, even writing letters to Amazon customer support in Japanese. And then I, I showed it to a local Japanese person and they were surprised. Like it was like the formality, the grammar, it was written very naturally. So definitely check that out and use ChatGPT4, like the paid version that that's better than 3.5. Okay. It's just a quick tip. Okay. In terms of doing keyword research, search volume, competitor analysis, the three top tools all support Amazon Japan. So Jungle Scout, Helium 10, as well as Data Dive, they all support Japan. So you can do that keyword research. I also would recommend that you guys just play around with Amazon Japan's website. So go to amazon.co.jp. Okay. And once you go on, like the whole screen is Japanese, but there's an option. You can actually change the language to English. So this is what I do. So you can search in English for your product and then you can get an idea of 
the competition level, what they're selling for, the number of reviews. And you might be surprised because most of your competitors, I guarantee, are not going to be there, right? So this is still like the niche is Japan. So even like if you're selling like yoga mats, like you don't really have to niche down to like a yoga mat for like, I don't know, pregnant moms, etc. You can just do like... Maybe you can even just go direct into yoga mats because Japan is the niche, but definitely use these tools. Okay. The, the next tool, the fourth tool that I like to recommend is something that it's a, a nifty little tool called YouTube. Okay. Some of you guys may have heard of it. YouTube is actually a great way. If you can't physically go to Japan, you can get a glimpse how Japanese people use a product. So for example, if you're selling a kitchen product, what you can do is you can go on YouTube and just type in Japanese kitchen tour or Japanese kitchen walkthrough. And you'll get a whole bunch of real videos of people shooting their Japanese kitchens. So nice. you can see, like, like you can literally see how small the kitchens are. And Mike, you, I, I know some of you guys are on the podcast. You can't see, but Mike, like from the screenshot that I took, there's like a Western girl there walking yeah. through a Japanese kitchen. Do you, what strikes your eye first? You know, in this picture, I'm just curious. I, to be honest, the first thing is she's really taller. That that oven vent is low. I mean, I yeah. guess her yeah, head that's... is head is on the left. Yeah. You know, it, like, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely looks small. Everything's hanging on the wall. Like everything, there's no yeah. there's no table space, counter space. Right, right. Everything is is vertical. I mean, you have like the knife. The knife, like magnetic knife holder against the wall. You have like shelves, you, and you see pots hanging vertically. And you know, another big thing that I I noticed that's different is like, do you see an oven there? Yeah, no oven. Yeah, there's no oven. There's like a little fish grill underneath, like the the burner, but there's no oven, right? And then there's also no dishwasher. As well. So if you yeah. sell like anything that's like oven, like those big like oven like mitts or the mitts, yeah, that's not going to work, right? And that, like, and if you were to look outside, if you're selling like grill gloves or stuff like that, you know, that's not going to work at all because like they don't have barbecues outside. So I mean, I, I think you guys understand like this is kind of like a sanity check just to see how a Japanese kitchen. Would look like and you can also search for your your keyword right so to see if japanese people are using your product or not if they are there's probably some youtube videos that you can find and then on the right side here um i, I know like most guys can't see this but um this is like there's a, a picture of a lady holding a little plastic device putting it into a box of rice like mike yeah. what that is i don't know what it is but i have a guess but but i don't know what do you think it is takes takes the water out of the rice like keeps it dry storage that's yeah not... i like a dehydrator yeah that's a good guess almost this thing actually keeps bugs from growing in your rice oh. like your, your dry rice yeah because Jeez. rice is huge like every single household in japan has a rice cooker ourselves included right so that's like one of the, the niche type products so you know yeah. stuff like this you can find on youtube okay so i also for product market fit, I wanted to share like an example of something that doesn't work. And let's take a look at this. Okay. One example that would not work are taco holders, right? Yeah. You know, like food taco holders. So this I would not tacos. work in Japan because I love tacos too, but unfortunately Japanese people aren't that into tacos, right? I mean, maybe a sushi holder, but not taco holders. <laughs> you don't really see a market for that, right? So no um, Mexican taco definitely do your... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's pretty rare. You don't see people making tacos at home. So anyways, that these are some examples of ways that you can do product market fit analysis for Japan. Okay. Should we go to the next break? Yeah, let's let's keep on rolling, man. This is great. Okay. So the second bridge to help sellers enter Japan is localization and I it's also known as Japanification. Okay. So localization it goes beyond just translating. So you have to make sure your listings are tailored to the Japanese marketplace and also the culture. So everything, be, not just the translation, but from the, the images to the product description, even to the packaging. Okay. So in this example that we have, we're looking at cosmetics brand, Maybelline, New York. So they're a U.S. cosmetics brand, but you can see on their Amazon storefront that they've totally 
localized the listing. They're using Asian models. They're using like different types of makeup, like coloring, and then also the the text and everything. It's it's changed into Japanese. Like I'm not obviously a beauty expert, but my wife tells me like the Asian cosmetic brands like are developed for different skin types. So、um, that's just an example how Maybelline and these brands they localize to the market and also with the keywords as well. Okay, so the big takeaway that I want to share with you guys is first for localization. Get your translations done by a professional, okay? And ideally, not just any random Japanese translator, but someone that has some Amazon SEO experience and translation experience. So this way, they know the style, like the copywriting for Amazon, and this way they can write your listings effectively. And also, you can feed them the the right keywords that you want to rank for. Okay. Awesome.、Um, I wanted to also give you a quick example of Japanification. So, Mike, I want to put you on the spot. Do you want to、oh, play、no. along? I'll play. I'll play. I'm liking the picture so far. Okay. So, okay. So, pop quiz. What is everyone's favorite Christmas dinner restaurant in Japan? Take a I, guess. I think I got a guess because of the picture, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But, But yeah, the, chicken, fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, KFC. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know the, that. Actually, the just... answer is KFC, K- Kentucky Fried、huh. Chicken. KFC. The、really? reason is because yeah, they during I believe the sixties there was a Japanese local Japanese manager at KFC, and there was like an office party that they were catering for for Christmas. So. The guy wanted to make it like an American thing, so he dressed up as Santa Claus and he brought like buckets of buckets of fried chicken. And then、oh. the Japanese people loved that. They're like, "Oh, this is so cool! This is like they thought this was like an American thing, right?" Because you you see in the movies like Christmas and yes, you know, everyone's yes, having like their turkey, yeah, Santa turkey and roast roast beef and stuff. But remember, back in the kitchen, there's no oven, right?、Wow. There's no way like a Japanese. Family could roast like a turkey, so they're like,、yeah. okay, KFC, that's American, right? And chicken,、yeah. close enough. So you would never believe it. I, I just found this out last year.、Huh. Yeah, for Christmas, KFC, they actually take bookings in KFCs, and they're fully booked, like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, right?、For、Japanese family, they want to celebrate Christmas at、Man. KFC. So this is an example, like this is an extreme example of Japanification, like how a, a, a U.S. brand. Localize their product yeah, guy, to the culture,、genius. you know. Yeah, I mean that's pretty genius, but it just shows that the market they're open to these types of products. And some people are asking, should I translate my U.S. brand? I would say a lot of Japanese people, especially the young people, they like foreign culture. They like Western culture, like U.S. brands. Just keep it in English. It is cool. I mean, you can translate it into like the local like katakana. That there's like there's like. Couple different language scripts, but you can keep the English because the English looks cool. And oftentimes, you can keep the English packaging as well, but make sure you have the Japanese instructions for people to、mm. use it because it is it kind of enhances like the foreign like the cool factor as well. Okay, yeah. So these are these are some examples of Japanification and how. So Gary and family is going to KFC on Christmas this year.、Huh? <laughs> My wife wanted to go to KFC. Really, she wants. She、to? loves. Yeah, she loves like the hot and spicy. Like they have really good. They have local like KFC flavors too. Like you'll see. It's like yeah, Christmas KFC. I might do it even. I'm not there、yeah. now. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, so let let's keep going. So bridge number three. This is one of the the critical ones. This is about import and compliance. So I know a lot of people like their biggest question is what sort of compliance regulations, what kind of like licenses I have to get. I'm not. A compliance expert, but I can give you a high-level overview. The Japanese import customs they closely scrutinize four key categories. Okay, so if you're thinking about importing to Japan, if you sell in one of these four categories, pay attention: supplements, cosmetics, medical devices, and plastic products that touches food or drink. Okay, so basically anything that goes on the body or goes in the body, even if it's like 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 a water water bottle, right? Okay, so these are key categories you need to pay special attention to. And also, if you're wondering about the cost of this, the cost depends on the size and the complexity of the product, and you may need to test separate parts of the product, which can be more expensive. So the more complex, the more moving parts, the more expensive it is. Okay. 
Is and, that per product or uh, like can you do that across? Because actually, I mean, even for me, I I, I call I my my categories are touching touching product that people eat or drink. Mm-hmm. So I, if we have like a range, if it's like, can you kind of get a blanket or you got to do per, yeah, maybe you don't know. But I, I don't know. would talk to import compliance specialist, someone like a Unigate. Yeah. Uh, they would, I mean, they can literally do a, like an evaluation for you for like $8 US. Like, so for the price of going to Starbucks, you can find out exactly what you need. Really? So wow, I didn't. I think that. Okay, I'll take yeah. it. Uh, I know I met them yeah. at your event, so they're awesome. Yeah. They're definitely awesome. They're, I didn't yeah. know it was that I mean, cheap. They know their stuff. Honest. Yeah, they're they're doing a special promotion for the seven figure seller community, okay. and Mike, you're part of it. Yeah. So I, am, I, I mean, if you need, yeah, definitely check them out, and maybe we can link them up below in the show notes if anyone's sure. interested. But yeah, I mean, literally like eight dollars. They're okay. doing a special offer for the initial compliance. Like they'll give you an idea of what you need. Great. All right. Okay. So let's move on to bridge number four. So shipping logistics and 3PL. So we talked about this a little earlier. Okay. So it's going to be a lot faster because you're close to the source. And also, okay. I wanted to talk yeah, also this about I'm looking something new. To. Yeah. Yeah. So there, Japan also has many trade agreements with a number of countries. And these countries include India, Vietnam, Thailand, European countries as well. I mean, literally, I found like a list of over a dozen different countries that Japan has free trade agreements with. So what does this mean? Free trade, it's kind of like walking in the airport and there's like the duty-free store, right? So if you're rather than buying like your your whiskey or like your liquor or your cosmetics at like a department store, right? You can go to the duty-free shop and you can probably save like 10%. The same thing applies if you're selling in Japan and you source from Thailand, you could, many of the products are duty-free. So you can n- not only save on the, the China-US tariffs, so that's going to be immediate 25% cost saving because there's no trade war going on with Japan. Okay. And number two is you can eliminate a lot of the duties because in the US, there's different duties based on different HS codes and product categories. In Japan, because of these free trade agreements with India, Vietnam, and Thailand, and you're able to drop that even lower, possibly to zero. So what does that mean for sellers? That means for your product costs, you can lower the landed costs. Like if you get rid of the tariff, that's 25%. If there's another 17% duty, 40%. And then there could be other duties on top of that as well, right? So combine that with the the close proximity that Japan is to these Asian countries. I mean, yeah. that that just like amplifies the the savings. And especially right now, just with the reduced cost, that means more margin. So you can either maintain your price, take more margin, or you can price more aggressively. And so literally you don't have to like, Stay on that that slow boat from China to US, you know, to Europe, right? You can really speed things up sourcing locally as well as taking advantage of these basic agreements. Yeah. So Mike, I know that you're you're working with with factories in, in Thailand. Like are you I mean and I know that you guys did some research on this as well. Like do you want to weigh in on this? Like what you guys are, are seeing? Sure, of course. It's very interesting. Like you said, we're we're buying more in Thailand lately, and yeah, our our team member helped do some research. But uh, definitely, Japan is in there on this list of some research. Just from honestly, just some article we found just at the beginning of twenty twenty four, January 9th, list Thailand, Japan, and the partnership, where basically it has to, as long as you have a company in Thailand, uh, it has to be. A, but it has to be a level of less than 50% foreign owned, it says, as far as this JTEPA guideline. And then, oh, that's the importing into Ch- Sorry, I wasn't really ready for this, to be honest with you. But uh, no worries. Yeah, I didn't yeah, read the yeah. full text, but uh, there's some guidelines. Yeah. But some of the shareholders in Japan, at least the importer in Japan, needs to be Japanese, it seems like. JTEPA. I don't know if you see that one. Japan, Thailand, basically, partnership agreement, JTEPA. Is- yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, that actually leads on to our next point. You, 
I mean, you don't have to have a Japanese. Yeah, I guess you don't have to have a company, right? right? All so. you, yeah, you don't need to register a company in Japan, or you don't have to physically be based in Japan. What you do need is what they call an ACP. ACP stands for Attorney for Customs Procedures. So if you have a representative that can do ACP for you, basically they're, you know, the Japanese government wants someone to be accountable if something goes wrong, right? So they need some company that's registered in Japan. It doesn't have to be your company. So this is kind of like an like an agent. So someone like, for example, Unigate, like what yeah. we mentioned earlier, the import compliance specialists, they can offer this service for you. Okay. So if you do if you use someone like a Unigate, then you can take advantage of the free trade agreement between cool. Thailand and Japan, between India yeah, and because Japan, they're between Japanese. Vietnam, Japan. Yeah. yeah, because they're Japanese, right? So they're so you can take advantage of that and then take advantage of Amazon Japan's opportunity as well. I I'm not gonna get into the nitty-gritty of like the different countries and the exact free trade agreements because that's like a whole yeah, each like, one is a master's story. level yeah. of degree. But yeah. I do know, like I did high-level research that these free trade agreements exist between these con- countries, Vietnam, India, Australia, Europe, UK, Switzerland, Mexico, Chile, Singapore, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, Brunei, Malaysia, Peru, Canada, New Zealand, and the US. But it varies by the product. Okay, some some have like nearly all tariffs eliminated some still have partial okay so i i would do some research or i would talk to someone like an import specialist like a unigate they can find out the specifics for you okay i mean th- these are like what you pay like the customs brokers for to give yeah, you exactly. like an educated answer but but for us entrepreneurs and for amazon sellers i just want you guys to to know that Japan has these free trade agreements. So that way you can circumvent the US-China tariffs and you can get additional duty reductions through these agreements. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. No, that's great. It's definitely great. And then like, yeah, thanks for clarifying or helping me out. Because yeah, the, the, the website says you have to be a Japanese majority owned. But like you said, you're not a Japanese company. You're using like this importer. I'm just, I'm just kind of reiterating that for people listening. So if they read those right. docs... Right, they they don't have maybe the Thai the Japanese company importing, but they could use the importer for the right. Japanese company okay. requirement. Yeah. Okay. All right. So should we move on? Yeah, let's roll. Let's keep going, man. It's great. Okay. So let's move on to the fifth bridge for entering Amazon Japan. That's launch strategy. So I mean, obviously, launch strategy is super important. People want to launch as high as possible, get ranked on page one on Amazon, take advantage of the honeymoon period. I think if we apply the 80-20 rule, like the number one thing that Amazon sellers should do when they launch in Japan is just keep in mind, if you're already, if you have like a seasoned view, if you have a product, let's say selling US already has like 700 reviews. And if you enter the, the Japan market with that same SKU, you can actually carry over those 700 reviews from Amazon US into Amazon Japan. So that way from day one, rather than zero reviews, you have 700 reviews. And this is amplified in Japan because our earlier point, the low level of competition means that the average reviews threshold in Japan, Amazon Japan is a lot lower than US, than UK, than Germany. So you need fewer reviews to compete in Japan than those other countries. Okay. So those 700 reviews, let's say in the US, maybe maybe you were in the middle of the pack, right? On the page, right? 700. But in Japan, maybe you'll be near the top of the pack on the top of the page for mm. those reviews. And I just have one example. This is, again, this is kind of an extreme example, but looking at these diapers, right? These diapers sold in the US, there's about 70,486 global reviews, but in Japan, these diapers only have 13 reviews, right? I mean, that's kind of an extreme example, but on the whole, the average review threshold in Amazon Japan is a lot lower. So that means launch strategy, carry over your reviews. You you have that social proof, like from Go day on. one, if you're already selling. So that's why I think it's a great opportunity for Amazon Japan, for Amazon sellers to get in. Yeah, Okay. makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the last bridge. And sure. that is to optimize your sales and marketing. Um, Amazon PPC in Japan, it works very similar to US and European Amazon markets. Overall costs are lower in Japan 
And there's also opportunities for new types of promotions, ads, and also there's in-depth data for analysis optimization. Also, I wanted to highlight external traffic. I know a lot of you guys want to do that as well. Influencer marketing is very big in Japan and also social media is key as well. So I'll, I'll include a couple of examples. I also wanted to credit our, our friend Ritu Java. Mm-hmm. She yeah, shared too. a lot of very, very good information about influencer marketing. So I kind of wanted to pass along the word. So full credit to Ritu on like the next two topics. So influencer marketing in Japan, the, the top platforms are YouTube and TikTok and also Twitter is also, it's still very big. Uh, Twitter used to be the, the number one platform, social media in Japan for many years. And I, I remember my Japanese person said the reason why is because like the text limit on Twitter, like back in the old days before Elon took over again, um, yeah, sure, yeah. it was a hundred, yeah, it was 140 characters, but the Japanese, like the script was very short. So it was perfect for that. Japanese people really liked that because it, it was almost like localized for Japan. But um, uh. yeah, but now, yeah, but talk, so talking about social media, now the number one used social media app in Japan is an app called Line, L-I-N-E. It's the number one app that everyone in Japan and their mom is using. All the, the brands are using it for like promotions. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's kind of like WeChat. It's come in China. It's like a super app and it has 82.5% market penetration for users between age 16 to 64. So 82%. So eight out of 10 people are using Line in Japan. Like when you meet somebody in Japan, you don't ask for their number or their mm. WhatsApp or Facebook. You ask for their line. That's the number one way that people keep in touch. Number two is Twitter or X, 53%. Number three is Instagram at 49%. And one of the big misconceptions about Japan is Facebook. Facebook actually is not very popular in Japan. They only have a 24.8% penetration. So you can see that you know, if you want to do like Facebook ads and stuff like that, it's not going to be as effective in Japan. Line is the number one way. And then at our last conference, Last year, Mike, you remember you were there. We yeah. had sellers share about building an audience using Line, yeah. insert card strategies using Line. I mean, there's, I mean, Line is like the way to build an audience. And many of these seven figure sellers, like Nick Katz, he says that he really he builds a list using Line, and then he sends out messages because anyone that adds a company, a brand online, like they want to get discounts. Like pe- people are like price sensitive in that way. So anytime there's a holiday, like he shoots out a message on Friday and then he shoots out another message on Sunday night. And literally mm-hmm. like sometimes the traffic, if it goes to their website, it's like crashing their servers. There's so much, it's so much interest. Like, cause people on holiday, they're bored, they're on their phones and like that thing pops up and they're ready. They're ready to shop. So amazing. Definitely That's, take advantage yeah. of that. I, I know. I remember that it was, yeah. a, it was a lot of great stuff at the last session. Summit, it was amazing. But yeah, Line. Yeah. I use Line too in Thailand quite a bit. I think yeah. it's, it's a yeah, Japanese company though. But yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's a Japanese company too. It's big in Thailand, right? Yeah, it is. When it's, I the main, it's the main chat app yeah. in Thailand for sure. I don't know the numbers like this, but it's definitely like, it's hard to get people on WhatsApp or other chats. They're mostly online. If you talk to people in Thailand. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So those are the the six bridges that we talked about. I also, we covered a lot today, but I feel like yeah. it's just the tip of the iceberg. So I wanted to offer the bonus bridge number seven. And we're doing an in-person three-day conference in Japan, all about Amazon selling in Japan. And even more than Amazon selling, we are adding some new topics as well. It will be in Okinawa, Japan. April yeah. 8th to the 10th, and it will be at the Hilton. It's a beautiful resort in Okinawa. Literally, it's on the beach. Like, yeah, Okinawa is beautiful. I wish you guys, yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike, you've been to Okinawa. Like, how was, is it like? You were, Okinawa? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's it's like, it's like Hawaii, Hawaii, right? I think it's called the Hawaii yeah. of Asia. It's, it's got, yeah. there's nice golf courses. There's really amazing beach everywhere. It's like, like I remember, like at least the parts I went to, uh, I went for a conference for Startup Weekend back in 2014 for it. It was Startup Weekend or mm-hmm. Regional Summit. And it was a beautiful resort. Yeah, you could walk to the beach. There was, it was like hill. Like it wasn't like, it was flat, but it was like kind of these little hills like Mario Kart, I felt like. And it was golf carts and <laughs> stuff. It was yeah. really unique. It was very yeah. flat, I remember, and, and nice and yeah, relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we we chose this location. I mean, it's a great location, and I, my family and I, we were kind of stuck in Okinawa during we, the pandemic, and we were, uh, we were very blessed. I, I think there's a lot worse places to be stuck in than the Hawaii of Japan. So I wanted to give <laughs> the sellers a, a flavor of that as well. I mean, so in the two day conference, you'll learn the roadmap to. How to sell up to nine hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars on Amazon Japan? We'll have eight-figure sellers, seven-figure sellers share their playbook, how they did it, launch strategies, external marketing. We talked about line, so you'll learn exact strategies. You'll see like what sort of insert cards people are using, and I think like the most valuable thing is to be able to to meet these people in person, and I think like the networking besides just the 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 in classroom. You know, two days, right? You also have plenty of opportunities to network and we'll be able to go snorkeling. We'll go on the beach. We'll go kayaking and they have a world famous aquarium as well in, in Okinawa. So if you're into that, I think it's a great excuse not only to, to learn more about selling on Amazon Japan, but also enjoy the, the experience there. And we have a lot of top sellers attending as well. So people like Nick Katz, he's a seven-figure seller. He's been selling in Japan. He's lived in Japan 30 years and this guy's a retail expert. Yeah, people like YouTube Java, she's a Japan localization expert. Gay's going to be there. So literally any question that you have about your product, about compliance, you'll have several days to find out exactly what you need to do to get your product in and you know find out all of like the duty rates, tax rates, etc. And uh, yeah, I mean, A to Z will leave no stone unturned. It will be April 8th to the 10th, three full days at the Hilton Soko in Okinawa. And tickets are on sale now, Seven Figure Seller Japan Mastermind. We'll have a, a discount code for you guys. Mike, maybe if you link it up below. Yeah, we'll get this um, on the show notes for sure. And I can okay. put in my outro yeah. audio too. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, I mean, that, so thank you so much. I hope... This is helpful to some of you guys. I mean, dealing going back to the whole supply chain issue that we're dealing with again, I think it just makes sense to source, to sell closer to the source, to diversify into the fourth biggest market in the world, in Japan. And there's also ways that you can succeed in Japan that we're seeing, seeing sellers do. So yeah, um, yeah, hope to see some of you guys in Japan and hope this helps. This has been very amazing, Gary. And uh, yeah, like, just to kind of put my points is, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to participate last April. It was in Tokyo, so it was more urban. This would be more resort. That if you're listening yeah. only, you'll have to check out the website for the pictures. But yeah, I mean, this is this is right on the ocean and it's a high high end resort. And of course, we but learned we've ton- negotiated the lowest possible room rates for you guys. So it's not you're not going to pay like five star hotel prices. You guys will not get any better room rate than the one we negotiated. I really had to like kind of twist their arms because I'm like, we're bringing in like all of these top sellers and we're really selling the Hilton as well. So it's a beautiful hotel. And one other thing is they have many English speaking staff. So language will not be an issue, right? So if you don't speak Japanese, that's fine. I'll make sure they'll have English speaking staff to take good care of you guys. If you want more drinks or if you want to go somewhere, I always try to deliver a great experience as Mike knows. Yeah, I mean, um, it like was really top notch. Like the concierge. Awesome. Yeah, the, sure. the, yeah, the concierge as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We'll link it up on the show notes and it's going to it's gonna be even more amazing than, than last year. So I'm so excited for this. Are it's, you going to join us, Mike? I'm, I'm on, I'm, uh, I'm on, the, I'm on the fence. It's about the fam, bringing a family or not. It's the harder part. But I, I Okinawa is Dude, kid, Okinawa is so kid friendly. And, yeah, I mean, just, I remember, I remember. you can walk the streets. There's no like crazy scooters and the beaches, the water and yeah, it's, the aquarium. It's, I mean, the, it's a world class aquarium. Huge. They have whale sharks. I don't know how they got those in the tanks. They have giant yeah. manta rays. Amazing. You can like you can feed the sea turtles. I mean the dolphins. I mean, it's, it's, great. it's, it's amazing. Great. You, you can spend a whole day there. I mean, like you can be at the conference, your wife and your kids, they'll be happy over there. Right. Okay. So that sounds yeah. cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Man. If you guys have families, I'll, let me know. Like I, I took care of my, my son for two years in Okinawa. So I, I know like, Perfect. all the spots. spots. Okay. Yeah, I know most of the spots, but yeah, it's, it's a big place. Great. It's a good place. 
Yeah, I'm really excited for this. Thanks. Thanks for everything you do, Gary. Save the date. Cross-Border Summit 2024 is coming back. 2023's was epic. Never got such great feedback in all of our events. Cross-Border Summit 2024, we're planning already a year in advance. Save the date. November 14th and 15th will be the core event. But of course, it is a full week of amazing things. There's pre-events, post-events, workshops, trainings, elephant sanctuaries. We have a lot of amazing things here in Chiang Mai, Thailand again. So I would love to see you there. We've already pre-sold some tickets to previous people. We will be opening up tickets soon. Subscribe to get updates at 2024.crossbordersummit.com. Also check out videos and testimonials from last year as well as all of our years. We did them in China and this will be our sixth one. It will be great to meet you there and network and make some great relationships. I can't wait, November 2024. All right, I'm not even sure what it says. Rice with stewed pork. Looks good. Guy worked hard making it. And yeah, so I'm in Taiwan for a just three-day meeting. A couple of, in this blockchain e-commerce project we're working deeply on, load pipe. We might have seen a video last time and there's another one coming. One of our advisors was visiting, so I over, so I met him here. We're going to go back to the States and also some other couple quick meetings. And then India, I'll be heading to India on Saturday for the India sourcing trip with Megala. Super excited for that. There's some things happening here. Well, lots, lots, lots happening. But essentially, going really deep into the e-commerce protocol building. They're so 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 lucky. He met Bo on some previous shows and a couple other amazing developers, and we're building a product, right? A lot of crypto projects are good marketing and hype, but we're we're doing the opposite. We're building and not not hyping. So it's been a fascinating discussion and building and creating most of January. So we're in February now. So really excited for this. People can join the Discord. And we're having some just open discussions with just anybody that kind of comes into the community about how to structure the governance, how to structure decision making. It's been really a fascinating time. And it's taken up a lot of my time lately. So it's just, and we're, well, we have a great team for our Amazon brands, Christians, Groom Gray, we have Lockheed, we have Nico, we have a great team behind them and Chaz Stone at the content team. Just really trying to push it. 2024, I hope we all level up. I hope we all grow. But we can't be lazy. We can't just sit on our laurels. We got to make things happen. So that's it. I'm going to finish my dinner. It's hard to eat and talk to you. Thanks for tuning in, listening to this, and have a great evening. Bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.